We are learning Daf Mem Zayin. We're starting right from the top of the Amud, where it says, Ha'aymer Lachavera. So the Mishnah spoke about a case where a person made a konam that he wasn't going to enter uh, his friend's house. So the Mishnah made a distinction between whether he said your house or whether he said this house. So if he said your house, so then it's only, it's only Asr while still in the ownership of his friend because he emphasized he's only Asring himself from your house. So if his friend passed away or he sells the, the house, so then uh, it'd be okay to benefit. Whereas if he says this house is Asr, so then it's Asr even if uh, his friend passes away or sells the house because he's already Asr'd it uh, permanently. So the Gemara wants to know, What if somebody's telling his friend, he's imposing the nether on him, he's saying, Konam, that you can't enter this house. In other words, he's Asr'ing the other person for entering this house. In the case of the Mishnah, Ruvain was Asr'ing himself willingly uh, to go to Shimon's house. So there, Ruvain could Asr it permanently or only, or depending on, or only Asr it when, when, when Shimon had it, depending on his language. But here, Shimon is saying to Ruvain, he's saying, Konam, you're entering this house. So he's Asring Ruvain to come to his house. What would happen then? If Shimon then dies subsequently or sells it to another person, what's the halacha? In this case, he, uh, he did say this house. He didn't say my house. He's tr- definitely trying. His intention here is to, that the Israel should be even after that the house leaves his possession. But the question is, could he do that? Could Shimon Aser his property onto Ruvain beyond when it is his property? Could a person Aser something that's currently in his possession and Aser it for even after it leaves his possession? Oh, lo, perhaps he's unable to do such a thing. So the question is in the power, in the power, in the case that the mission of this cause where a person is willingly Asering themselves onto someone else's home. So there clearly you could you could ask yourself permanently even beyond the time that it belongs to your friend. Just depends what language you said. Argumar wants to know whether that someone is imposing the nether on someone else. Shimon is imposing onto Reuven. He's saying that this house is also on you. So we want to know, does Shimon have the ability, does he have that? Does he have the, the, the capability of ossering the house on, on, on Reuven even after it will leave his possessions? Amar Rabba Tashma, we can see from the Mishnah. Amar Rabba, no, someone is saying here to his son, Konam, I'm making a Konam, that you are not going to benefit from me. So he's ossering his stuff um, onto his son. If the father then dies, your shadow, the son can inherit him and get benefit. Because we say that he's only ossering it to the son while he was alive, only when it's benefit from me. However, so if he says that his property is ossered to his son, not only while he's alive, but even after his death. In other words, he's explicitly saying that he's ossering it to the son for even after the time that he's alive, amazing. Then when he dies, lo your gender, the son cannot inherit him. In other words, he can't benefit from the stuff. What's the pshat? Because it's already been asr, it's been permanently asr from the father. So Shema, I mean, we see from here, a person does have the ability to asr something currently in his possession for after the time that will leave his possession. I think Mar says, Shema, Indeed, that's a clear proof that we take away from here. So we see a person does have that, cap- that capability by that. You can asr something on, on, on your friend as long as you currently own it, own it you can asr even for a time that you will no longer be the owner. Okay, so now the Gemara is going to move on to, uh, it's really a new, a new topic here, but we'll see how it relates to us. So Tanan Hassan, we learned in a Mishnah over there, this is a Mishnah coming up on Daphne Nunzayim, Konam to Elu alive. Somebody says, these fruits, he specifies Ha'elu, these fruits specifically should be a Konam upon me. Konam Haim Alpi, or he says, they, again, he emphasizes only they, are Konam upon my mouth, Konam in Lafi. Or he emphasizes again, they are kodem, kodem lippi to my mouth. In all these cases, the question is, he's only answering these specific fruits. So still, so the Mishnah says, He's not he's also for him to derive benefit even from something that is exchanged for those fruits or from something that grew 
out of the fruits. So in other words, if let's say these fruits, which he, we have, which he has the nether on, if they were sold, so the money that's given in exchange for them is also just like the fruits themselves are also. If let's say you have a seed from the fruit and the fruit is planted and now something else grows, so therefore, it would be it would be asr as well. Now this is a big chiddush because he only asr these fruits. So why is it becoming asr on things which are exchanged for the fruits of things which grow? So we understand that the idea is is that when a person is saying konam, what does it mean konam? Konam means just like hektish property. What is the halacha by hektish? The halacha is whatever is exchanged for hektish, whatever grows from hektish becomes asr and not just like the original hektish. So so too we understand. We understand the same thing here. When a person is offering these specific fruits and he's saying they are kehaktish, they are konam upon me, so he's giving it the same, the same scope of, 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 of iser. He's saying, therefore, whatever will be exchanged for it as well um, will become asr to me. However, says the Gemara, let's say somebody said these fruits are konim upon someone else. In other words, he's not willingly accepting that these, these things are also to him. He's saying my fruits that I have here, these specific fruits are konim to so-and-so. In that case, that's so-and-so. Clearly, he can't benefit from those fruits themselves. But what about for the things which are exchanged? Now, the Gemara explains why it might be different if you're offering it on somebody else, if you're offering it on yourself. So a little bit of an introduction is that when you're offering um, the things which will be exchanged, so the truth is that exchange for the fruit is not yet here. In other words, you have the fruit and you're offering it uh, right now, but the fruits have yet to be exchanged for something else. So the truth is that money which comes in in exchange is really a davar shlobalolam, it's something which hasn't yet occurred. In other words, it's a big novelty that a person is able to offer themselves on the fruits, which, on the exchanges which aren't yet even here, or to offer themselves on the things which will grow from the fruits, because those new growths from the fruits are not yet here. So maybe we say that that ability to offer the exchanges or the new growth is only when you're offering the fruit on yourself. Me, I'm reading Gabi Gilei in the case where you're offering the fruit on yourself. The reason you can offer even the exchange items is because we see that by net, there's a very unique type of issue. You're able to offer something that you don't own at all. I can say that my friend's fruit should be offered on me. So I don't need to own, I don't need to have any sense of buyless in order to create a nether. I can offer my friend's stuff on me. So the same way I don't need buyless, I can offer something that doesn't belong to me. So then Adam Osir I can offer something which doesn't yet exist, even though the new growths or the new exchanges don't yet exist at the time of the nether. No problem. I still have the capability to offer it, to extend the isra to those things as well, because nether does not require my sense of ownership in order to offer. So that makes sense all when I'm offering it on myself because a person has the ability to offer on themselves something which they don't own. So therefore, it can include the exchange or the new growth. However, when I'm offering it on my friend, I'm saying these fruits should be offered on my friend. So in that case, yes, you can offer the fruits because the fruits are here, but who says you can include the exchange or the growth? Because I can't offer my friend's fruits upon somebody else. I can't say Reuven's fruits should be offered to, to Shimon. I can't do such a thing. I can offer Reuven's fruits on myself, but I can't offer Reuven's fruits on somebody else. So the same way I can't answer someone else's fruits on someone else and maybe even if I'm answering my fruits, which I could, but maybe I can't answer the future growths or exchange because they're not mine at the time. They're not yet here. So if they're not yet here and then I don't have possession, I don't have a buy list on the new exchanges or growth, so I don't have the ability to include those in my nether. 
So basically, the Gemara is saying like this. There's a din in a Mishnah where it says, if I'm ossering on myself certain fruits, I'm saying these fruits are also, the Mishnah says, you're ossering the gross, gross in the exchanges. We're trying to understand that. Maybe that's pshat is, you're ossering taka, the future exchanges are gross on yourself, and you're able to do that because it, when you're ossering on yourself, it doesn't require bias. I could osser my friend's fruits on myself. I could osser the Zavashul Olam on myself. But what would be the halacha? If I'm ossering my fruits on someone else, maybe there we'd say you can only osser what you currently own, but you, can't, you cannot include the exchange or the be gross in that because the same way you can't ask for your friend's fruits on on, on, on someone else, so you can't ask for the Davashal below them. So what's the other side? Sounds so clear, you shouldn't be able to do it. Odilma, maybe, but there's a very different reason why. In the mission, when you ask for the fruits, you're also in the exchanges and the growths. Not because you meant to include those future things in your nether. It's not shot the intent of the node, the vower is including them in offering the future things as well. It's, it's another type of halacha. Mishum de chilupin kigedulin dami. We look at things which are exchanged as things that just come out naturally, as things which grow out naturally from the iser. And if that's the way to look at it, it wouldn't make a difference whether it's accepting the nether upon yourself or declaring the nether upon your friend. In the second approach of the Gemara, there's a new din de Whenever something is asr bahana, whenever something is forbidden in benefit, and then something is exchanged for it, then the new exchange is viewed as an extension of the dover, which is asr to benefit, and the exchange as well is asr to benefit from. And therefore, it's nothing to do with the intent of the noder. Stop. It's a new halacha. If a person asr his fruits on his friend, so no, none of those fruits are forbidden in benefit to his friend. Any exchanges that come to those fruits, the rabbanon say those are also asr bahana. That's a general, perhaps, a sweeping general rule by the rabbanon. And the Rabbanon are making on Yisuri Hana that whatever is exchanged for Yisuri Hana becomes like a natural growth of that Yisuri Hana and they become Asr as well. If that's the explanation, it will not make a difference with the intent or what the Noder is trying to do. It is simply Allah, Lupin Kigadul and Dami. And as we're going to see in the Gemara coming up, the Gemara is going to be bringing proofs on things which aren't Nidarim, meaning this new concept of Lupin Kigadul and Dami will apply broadly, even beyond Nether. Maybe whenever I have something which is Asr Bahana, the Rabbanan say that the Allah is something which is exchanged for it, becomes like that thing itself, it becomes Asr. So the Gemara tries to bring a proof to this. Amar Vacha Bar Manyumi. Tashima, let's see, we have a proof from a bride. The bride says, A person says to his wife, Konim, my benefit to you. So in other words, he's offering that um, his wife from getting, from getting any pleasure from his stuff, any I'm not from his stuff, and the wife needs money for the support, and the husband has to provide for her. So normally, if the husband's already married and he makes such a nether, the nether's not binding at all because the shibud is already there. Once, once he marries her, then he has to support her. You can't make a nether and get out of what you have to do. But we're talking specifically that he made the nether before the nesuin. So since the nether was made before the nesuin, so therefore it actually does take effect, and now he cannot give her the money which he really supposed, is supposed to be providing for her. So what she, could, she, could she do? Lova, she can borrow money, she can borrow money from, from other people to buy her food, and then the creditors can come and collect the debt from the husband's property. So this is a very interesting idea because she's, she's not allowed to benefit from her husband. So why is she allowed to do that? Because uh, the lien here is still, is still existing. So she's borrowing from somebody else. And then that just indirectly causes the creditors to be owed by the, by the husband. This is based upon the idea of Shibuddha Reb Nasser. If Ruben owes Shimon money, Shimon owes Levi money, then Ruben can collect from Levi. Like that's the idea. It all becomes direct. So with a woman here, 
She has a lien on her husband's property. The husband can't give her to her. She can't collect directly. So what she does is she borrows from somebody else, which means she owes the creditors. And the husband owes her. So therefore the creditors can go and uh, just you know, circumvent the woman and go and collect from the husband's property. And it's not going to be considered that she is directly benefiting from the husband. But if you think about it, what she's really doing is she's making an exchange. She's making an exchange for his property with the money that she borrows. Now, it's a fascinating type of exchange because it's, it's not a direct type of exchange. It's not like I sell this, you sell a fruit and get money. Here, what she's doing is she's borrowing from the creditors. And because she borrows from the creditors and she owes them money and the husband owed her money. So now we view that it's as if the, the husband owes the creditors money and the creditors can go collect from the husband. But in a sense, it is an exchange because she's orchestrating an exchange. Right now, the husband owes her money. And by her borrowing money from the creditors, she's causing the exchange that instead of the husband owing her, the husband will owe the creditors. So she's causing that exchange. And we still are allowing her to do so. We're saying that it's not considered... It's not considered um, that she's doing an isra of benefiting from the husband's property. It must be la mishun de chilupin lavki gedulin dami. It must be the pshat is that when you're when when you're exchanging something, it's not viewed as a natural growth, and therefore, even though she is indirectly exchanging it, that is not aser. Now, just to explain a little bit, there's a little bit of a necessary explanation for the gemara. Our whole sophic about whether or not things that are received in exchange are viewed as gedulin and they become usher as well. That's also, af- that is all after it is exchanged. Is it now that the new exchanges are usher bahana or not? But certainly it's not permitted to, to, to lechatrila go ahead and make an exchange. Meaning if I have something that's usher bahana, I'm not allowed to sell it because I'm taking hana by selling it and getting money. Even if the new money which comes in does not become usher bahana, certainly I'm not allowed to go make the sale. Right? Our whole question is the status of the exchange. Is the new money that comes in become Asr Bahana as well? But I'm not allowed to go ahead and make such a sale because I'm benefiting from the fruits. Clearly, that's not part of the, that's not part of the Gemara's question. The Gemara's whole question is what will the status of the exchanges be? So then what's the Gemara trying to do here? The Gemara is trying to, to explain that the reason why the wife in this case is allowed to borrow money from the creditors is because exchanges are not viewed as things that grow. But, but, but how can that be that right explanation? Because that explanation cannot explain why she's allowed to go ahead and do it. So it must be, and this is what the Rishonim explained, that the reason here why she's allowed to do it is because she's not even directly making an exchange. She's not taking the song as also by not and exchanging it. She's indirectly doing it. She's but she's, she's borrowing money from the creditors, which causes that now her husband will hold the creditors. So she's indirectly making the exchange, not directly. So that explains why she'd be allowed to do it. Now, what's the Gemara's Raya? The Gemara's Raya is just if the Rabbonim were so machmer and they treated the status of something exchanged for Yisri like Yisri itself, so then we should be bothered. How is the woman indirectly allowed to cause the exchange? Lamaisa, if the Rabbonim were machmer, that exchanges are viewed as things that come out, right? then the Rabbanon should have stopped her as well from doing it. So it's a little bit confusing because there's different issues. There's one issue normally of making an exchange. Making an exchange normally for sure is awesome under Rabbanon. Our whole suffix in the Gemara is after it was exchanged, is it Asr Bahanar or not? In our case with the woman, it's a little bit different because she's indirectly making the exchange. She's not directly making the exchange. So if the Rabbanon said, we should, the Gemara assumes that they would offer her as well from Lechatrila making that indirect exchange. But if we say so then we don't assume that the Rabbana would make the Isser and that's why we can understand why the woman can borrow the money. Maybe it's all different about doing it in the first place about, or in terms of making a transaction. And the Rishonim are explaining the Gemara is rejecting this based upon the point that we just said. The point here is, is that 
Here, the issue is not whether the exchanges are becoming Asrana. The issue is whether she can make the exchange. And perhaps the reason why she's making the exchange is because she's not actually doing it. She's indirectly causing the exchange. And that's why it's allowed, because she's indirectly causing the exchange. But in a case where someone actually makes a direct exchange, which is, which is also to be done, then what would happen to the exchange? Would the exchange, the status of it be Asrana? Maybe in a Hanami, maybe it would. So the Gemara says, Ella, rather, Tashma, we look at the Mishnah, a person gives a woman fruits of Arla. He gives her, he says, and he gives her the fruits of Arla, she is not betrothed. What's the reason? Because it's Azra so there's no value to it. So you're not giving her anything that's worth the, with as values. Therefore, she's not married. However, let's say Makron, let's say first he sells the fruits. So it's illegal to do that. It's also because you're benefiting from the fruits. But the line saying, now you're holding cash. The cash was given in exchange for the fruits. Now, Vikidish Bidamami, use that money that you receive. You give it to the woman. She is betrothed. What's the shot? Clearly, we see that, um, that the, the status of the money is that it's not Asr If the money would become Asr as well, if the Rabbana made a new did, anything exchange for Yisri Ha'na becomes Asr so then the money should be Asr He's not giving her anything worth of value. If the Mishnah is saying if he, if he gave her the money in exchange for the Arla, she is Mukudashas, then clearly we see that the money is not viewed as Yisrael Hanna as well. This is the basic, um, the basic idea of what the Gemara is saying. Now, an interesting point here is that even if the Rabbanan did Aser it, but we have to understand it's still possible to get benefit from it. It's just, uh, it's possible to benefit from it in a way that the Rabbanan wouldn't want. But there is still possible some sort of value. But the Gemara is assuming that if it's also to get benefit from the exchange item, then we should basically assume that anything anything that will happen in the future as well. You know, it's just to bring out the point. Let's say someone would take the money. Let's say someone would take the money, which is right now has the status of Yisra'ana as well. And they take the money and they buy an apple. Would the apple also be Asra'ana? So it seems that the Gemara is thinking that it should be. If the Rabbanan said Chalupin Kikudulin and the money is also to benefit from, so then anything the money will buy will also be Asra'ana. So when the man is giving the, the, the woman the money exchange for Arla, what's the Pshat? She's not, what's the Pshat? She's Mekudashis. It must be that, that, that she cannot go and buy the apple, and if she would buy, that she is able to go buy the apple, and that's why he's giving her something worth of value. So the Gemara says, no, maybe here as well we can, we, we can split between something that's what's the point of the Gemara? Maybe only the first exchange item becomes but the secondary exchange item is mutter. The point of the Gemara, you know, it's very hard in the language of the Gemara, but this is the way the round learns the Gemara, is that even if we say that the money which is exchanged for Arla is Asrbana, but that money that he gives to the woman, if she would use it to buy an apple, the apple would not be Asabana. So therefore, ultimately, he is giving her something that has, that has value. Despite the fact that there is an Isra'ana status on the money that's given for the Arla, since hypothetically she could violate the Durabanan of using the money and buy an apple, and the apple then would be mutter. So we see that there is some abstract sense of value in the money exchange. So the Shachavatari and the Gemara was as follows. The Gemara was assuming that if we say Chalupin Kigadulin Dami, and we ask her, we ask her something in exchange for the Arla, so that would mean that not only is the money exchange that's Aser, anything that the money would buy would also be Aser. So if it says that if I give the money to the woman that was exchanged for Arla, she's Mekudashas, it must be Chalupin Lav Kigadulin. The Gemara is answering, no, really Chalupin is Kigadulin. However, even if the Rabbanon said Chalupin Kigadulin and the money exchange for the Arla, you can't benefit from, but if one violated that and they bought a secondary item, the secondary exchange item would be mutter bahana. Therefore, we could view hypothetically that he is giving her something of value, despite the fact that it's currently also bahana. But the fact that if the, she, she would use it and go buy another exchange item, it would be permitted. So then this, um, 
So then this money that he's giving her does have some hypothetical value. So that's the conclusion of the Gemara. The Gemara is not poshate. Right here, our question, whether or not it is general question, whatever song is Asr Ba'na, something that's exchanged for it, is it Asr Ba'na as well? And we're trying to figure out what was the pshat in the Mishnah when someone asked the fruits. Um, and we say that, 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 that then if they are exchanged, those things are Asr to them as well. Is that only because you could Asr Tavash Olam on yourself and you're Asr the exchange? Or is it Pshah, there's a new din to Rabban Chalum and Kedulin, and as the Gemara said, the Nafkamina would be when you're Asr your fruits on your friend as well.